You are tuned into the Fox Motorsport Supercars podcast. But just before kickoff, I'd love to alert you all about a brand new product on the Fox Sports Podcast Network, The Splash. Hosted by myself, Phil Pryor, it's a short, sharp, Monday to Friday production looking at the Fox Sports website's major headlines, stories, and part of the process too. Please search and subscribe. That's The Splash on iTunes and also Spotify now. Thanks for your attention. Now time for the show. This is the Fox Motorsports Supercars Podcast with your host, the Pit Lane Rogue. Welcome everyone to the Post Supercars podcast for the Australian Grand Prix. Uh, joined today by Will Dale from foxsports.com.au. Hello, hey. Will. <laughs> How are you going? Uh, it's, it's a mouthful. Uh, also joined today by our Race 6 Australian Grand Prix race winner, Davey Reynolds. Davey, welcome. How are people? How are we? We're good. We're good. I think, well, I think we've re- relaxed from after the Grand Prix. It was a fairly... Busy and hectic weekend, but you know, un- definitely not uneventful in my case. Um, yes. I'm just glad Lewis didn't win. Well, yeah, I think most people were glad. <laughs> the cheer when when Vettel went past him, humongous. Uh, also joined yeah, today. Safety <laughs> <laughs> also joined today by DJR Team Penske's Ryan Story. Ryan, welcome to the Rabble. Thank you, gentlemen. It is an absolute pleasure to be in your August company and. Uh, at my last visit, uh, the great David Reynolds wasn't part of it, and I took that as a personal slight. So to be on with, uh, <laughs> with the sorry, legend himself is a, sorry, is a unique I probably, experience. I'm sorry, I was probably on holidays. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he probably all, all was. All I can say is, as a as a as a long time listener of this podcast, the all the best bits are from before the recording starts. I can I can attest to that. Always. That's, and, what, that's uh, what I was trying to get him to do. Always just record, just us talking about dogs. <laughs> And then well, try and make it into something. Well, I'm very much looking forward to the post-race uh, analysis here this afternoon. So, uh, looking forward to it, chat. Yeah, not only the good bits are also before; they're also after when we've stopped recording. And you know, anyway. But Grand Prix uh, done and dusted. First weekend racing for for points. Uh, Will, how did you how did you see it? Well, it was just nice having longer races on the Grand Prix format. It was enjoyable to watch a bit more strategy come into play rather than relying on tyre deg or moves to be made on track, which didn't always happen. So just, yeah, just watching back as a fan and as as a journo, they were good fun races for the most part. Uh, and they had a bit of everything. They had rain. Had darkness. Bit of, bit of sunshine, bit of both, bit of darkness. Unofficial was the first unofficial um, Supercar night race. <laughs> yeah, and uh, what a, what a great yeah, spectacle that race that five was. was. Really cool, it was a good day. Good, yeah, races. That race five spectacle was that race was something else. It was you know had a little <laughs> bit of everything, and I was like, how good is this racing nights? Who needs lights? <laughs> <laughs> the flames were great. It was great seeing the flames again. Right. Yeah, I couldn't see anything though. <laughs> I was going to ask you what, because a few guys like Garth Tander was very outspoken after the race, saying it was well, that's dangerous. Crashed into his own boom. Well, <laughs> yeah, and a couple of his teammates. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think the other thing, in his credit, was it was it was pretty slippery and it was pretty dark too. So, like when I came into the pit to get my wet tires, I could barely make out which was my team. Mm. Jeez. Well, they also open up the irises of the camera, so it looks it looks a lot lighter on the telly than what it actually is. But uh, yeah, the it camera made, made, do it uh, made for a ripper spectacle. And I thought the racing was good and uh, pretty uh, pretty pretty delighted to see our old mate uh, Scott Pye get get his first win away there. He didn't exactly uh, didn't exactly do it easy, but 
Oh, he showed his medal, and I thought he did, a, he did a great job. Very well. Well, Zach, Zach Brown did say that it was the, the drive of his life. Um, and he's probably not far wrong, you know, having Winkup breathing down him for that immense amount of laps. And, you know, or, you know at, some, at one point it had the overlap, but managed to hold his nerve and hold his wit and take, take the race win. On slicks, in the wet. Well, that's probably... Yeah, the... I think that's... I think that's... You hit the nail on the head there. It's, it's, it's driving with the seven-time champion behind you, but effectively on, the, on, a, on, a, on, on a nice edge, on slick tyres, on a wet or drying track. It's uh, not the easiest position in which to be in, but uh, he held his nerves pretty damn well. I, I was actually surprised how much pace they managed to keep mm. on, the, on the slick tyre in the wet. They must yeah. have had a bit of residual heat still left, and the soft tyre must have ripped up a ride. I think you're probably right, because I think the, the the delta was around that four or five seconds, wasn't it? Not quite as much as what you would have expected, but I think there were many of us, and certainly our two guys were, were among them, who were, who were expecting and anticipating a bit more rain to have seen that play out. And it would have been interesting to see a late safety car there to see what that would have done. But again, that's the, that's the great position I can take on this one, being the being the revisionist historian, having both cars stop for wets in the race that didn't necessarily need it. Well, we stopped for wets too, and uh, I think we got back like, what did we lose in pit lane, 45, 50 seconds? And yeah, we got about 20, 50. 25 seconds back. Yeah. It just wasn't enough. Just needed either, either more rain uh, or the rain so below. Because we go through our own pit lane, plus we go through F1 pit lane. Yeah. Like we lose, it's, we get a double pit <laughs> <laughs> right. double of pit lanes. That's exactly right. <laughs> I, well, I, endorse, I endorse those comments. Well, the, the other thing was is the, the, the rain was never going to uh, going to work with a, a cement pit lane, which makes it, right. I would think, doubly as slippery. Well, cement and water don't go well. Well, exactly. I mean, most of the other no. pit lanes we go to have got a, the asphalt thing, so you've got some sort of grip on there. But it was as, as far as I could tell, it was fairly smooth and to add water on there was always going to be a disaster. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's the great thing about supercars. All you need to do is just add water and you've got excitement. <laughs> well, exactly. It wasn't a Bernie's idea a couple of years ago for F1. He was going to put sprinklers on around the on, on the track at some points. One of, many's, one of his this many grand same, ideas. This is the same bloke who wanted to introduce gold medals to the mix. That's true. I just, finished, <laughs> I just re- re- finished reading an article on the... On, on him on autosport and he's still suffering from a re- bit, little bit of relevance deprivation um, <laughs> syndrome and it's, it's just one of those things isn't it well if someone's going to keep asking him questions he's going to keep giving people answers hey listen I say to you blokes all the time I have a terrible case of C microphone will speak when you blokes are around <laughs> <laughs> and we love you for that that's we're true we're always very appreciative that is true yeah um, so I, I, I would give the, the Grand Prix weekend a, a big Thumbs up. A success. The races were a roaring success. Um, yep. Will, you spoke to Andrew Westercott after the after the Grand Prix. What did he What did he say to you about the about the races at the Grand Prix? Well, I was asking him because it was the same question I asked you in the presser, Dave, about whether about the formats and whether we'd like to see longer races and whether and I was talking to Andrew about the whether we'd be locked into that based on the F one schedule, and he said, well. It's something that they can look at. They can because they do determine the track schedule in conjunction with the obvious restrictions of an F1 program. But it is something they they would consider looking at as part of their debrief whether there is the possibility to extend any of the races or change up the qualifying formats. Something he said 
for, on a personal basis. He'd love to see the Sunday race that little bit longer just to bring in a bit more strategy and potential tie stops. So, I don't... Yeah. Well, where, yeah. where I'm leading it, you want it to be as short as possible. <laughs> And, we, and they helped out with that. Young Bieber did help with that. Yeah, he made the race a lap shorter for you. Can I tell you, Andrew Westcott is a, is a whipper operator, but, but let me play numbers nerd here for a second, if you don't mind. No? The, uh, the TV ratings for Formula 1 were up 2%, and they were up, I believe, 25 or 27% for Supercar. So, so the championship points definitely played a factor. But the, the big telling thing, which I think will play well for Andrew Westcott and his group, is that the rate, um, the attendance over the weekend was up. It was on par with last year solely because of the wet weather on, on Saturday. But they had the second ever highest Thursday attendance they've had and one of the highest Friday attendances they've ever had. So mm. I think if they continue to tweak the format, there's plenty of punters out there who like, like seeing us race for sheep stations and like, and like a bit of their F1 as well. So it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good recipe in which to mix. Yeah, I agree. I think the only thing that needs tweaking is the qualifying. Uh, across the weekend, because I really, I, I well, love it. I love like four. It's like four shootouts. Yeah, no, I, like the the the, the short uh, qualifying was good, but I got I couldn't remember who qualified where the next day. Yeah, so no, when like I got to Friday, I was like, was like, just roll the dice and see where you end up. Yeah, I think I think I don't know if we I don't know if we need a qualifying kind of before the races for each day and only qualifying for those days that you do race. I don't know whether that's going to mix it up a little bit or whatever. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. You yeah. kind of need something yeah. on the Thursday, though. Sure. Like that, that does, like, that boosts the relevance of that day. Yeah. But when I got to Friday, I was like, oh, I forget, I forgot who qualified where. But probably and was only yesterday. Do, maybe you could do your qualifying on Thursday for your Friday race yeah. and, then, uh, and then have your Saturday and Sunday qualifying the day of those races, but... Yeah, I think you're right. But I'd much prefer a format like that, though, where we have the shootout style one lap go of it, then have the flow on, flow on the quality finish, quality start to, uh, from the old sprint race days, where if you finish fourth and you start fourth in the next one, I think that's a great, uh, yeah, great change from previous. I do remember, I do remember vaguely years ago they did have a shootout there once. Right, do you remember it? Actually, it does seem familiar. Yeah, yeah. they did do a lot of things. They can do it. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, they've, they've done a, f- a few different things throughout the years. Um, the Ford Holden qualifying. That's exactly what I was... Yeah, yeah. the, the oh, Ford yeah. on one that didn't side. didn't work out, did it? No. That was a horrendous idea. Yeah, <laughs> especially when they're not equal. I said, you'd have... Nowadays, you'd have one side of the grid that's about 16 rows long and the other one about six. It wouldn't work. Yeah. And you'd need a third row for the Nissans. Well, no, would you put the Nissans and the Fords together? Like, so put the Fords at the front and then the Nissans at the back. And then that's the Holden's on the other side. Oh, well, Rick on. Kelly line one. Or, I, I guess I, I guess I'm also happy that we got rid of the rolling starts. Mm. Yeah, because I it's a very positive thing. Yeah, Everyone, I, 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 happy I, they got rid of them. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I was going to say because I one last thing about the Grand Prix. Uh, there are a couple of little small touches over the weekend that sort of showed just how the ice is thawing between us and them, and and what the future may hold for supercars and Liberty. They, it's just a small token gesture, but. Access to the F1 paddocks is as rare as hen's teeth. Yeah. And mm. they, they basically gave all the drivers and, uh, and team owners a pass for the weekend. And, and it doesn't sound like much, but that was a massive, uh, massive olive branch as I saw it. And I it think was. it only bodes well for the future. I really do. Yeah, no, I... I've never had a, I've never had a VIP pass in my life and I felt like Michael Schumacher. <laughs> did it have, did it have a photo on the back of it of you from your karting day sport? 
did actually have <laughs> Kelly racing days, and I had less wrinkles, and I looked quite young. <laughs> the, one they, the one they had of me was from 2012, and I, I'm, I've certainly seen better days. Yeah, I think we, I think everyone had old. <laughs> photos mine was horrendously old because i understand it's the first one that you'd applied with like yes. from whenever it was probably yeah, yeah. but i mean it was, i oh, mean that was that was special i felt special i felt part of the actual game well we we caught up in the like, in the f1 paddock to the side. yeah mm. yeah that's exactly right well we caught up in the f1 paddock right, davy if you remember going yeah, to wander right, through yeah. and i was like how good is this just mm. having to wander through seeing yeah. the clown boys and we went for a walk up and down smell the flowers it was cool <laughs> Walked alongside Ted Kravitz. That's it was true. Nice. <laughs> AJ nearly fell over, didn't you? Well, Ted <laughs> Kravitz. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For for those of people who were listening, my mission at the Grand Prix was to to, to say hello to Ted Kravitz. That's all I wanted to do. Unfortunately, I failed on two occasions. <laughs> Instead, yeah, yeah, unlucky. Next year. Next, Next year. year. Sure. You got to aim. As I said to to someone during the week, you got to aim mediocre. <laughs> I don't want to aim for Brundle, who's the top. But, you know, attainable. Well, I hope Ted's not listening to this now. So if you're He'll listening, Ted, I'm sorry. Or, yeah, other people. Anyway, um, I, look, I think the good thing so far has been this year is we've had more a variety, more variety of spread of winners, of race winners throughout the, the two events that we've been through. Well, you look at the four races from the weekend, we had four different winners. Yeah. It's, it's the kind of variety you really want to see. And, mm. not, and all of them on legitimate pace. Like, there weren't... Sure, it rained halfway through race five, but Scott, it's hard, it was hard to see whether or not Scott Pye wouldn't have won that race anyway, even if the rains hadn't come. He had a decent advantage on Wind Cup. Maybe tyre degradation towards the end would have seen Jamie come back into it, but that's, that was a legit win for Scott Pye. For me, it was, it was good didn't to Scott, see the person who was on pole. Did didn't he? Sorry? Yeah, Scotty ran off at the start. Yeah. Yeah, Scotty ran off in turn and one and dropped for me it was good to see the person who started on pole not necessarily go on to take the race win indeed um and yeah, it makes it interesting yeah and and davey also we had you on supercars tracks on sunday we thought we'd give you a return serve against scafe and ingle um <laughs> But uh, you know, ever so nice to me this time. <laughs> um, but it was good to see uh, a little bit of you know, uh, a, a t- not a turn of form because that's disrespectful. But for you to put your elbows out a little bit and get get one back this time. Oh, well, this is doing my job. I like, I woke up at four o'clock this morning practicing my starts in my head. But in- interestingly, about the uh, about if you're talking about the, the variety of race winners we've seen, it's it's been pretty special and it's really really. Special kick things off and I saw that um, Scotty Mack had sort of speculated how much, in addition to the change of cars, how much the tyre the change back to the old tyre has yeah. made a difference as well and it's it's certainly spiced things up. I mean we know from our end there's a lot more we want to try and do to make sure that the the uh, the two fours that we run can be at the pointy end weekend, uh, week in, week out and we know there's a, a lot of work to do to be able to uh, get to that point but we sort of came away from the weekend pretty happy overall with our speed with a couple of unforced errors that perhaps cost us better results. But it's, it's, I suppose, a slightly different turn of fortune from what we had here 12 months ago. But interestingly enough, it's it's more and more of the case now that if you make a mistake and you're near the front, you're going to pay very dearly for that. 
Well, yeah. I was, I was going to say, because um, I saw a, an interview with Fabian who said that you, that he was more comfortable in the car this weekend than he has been for a while. And also yeah. that, that there's more speed from those Falcons to come. So what are you, what, what are you still working on in regards to, to that? Well, there's still a little bit of process in the background that uh, will ensure that we can race with some of the, some of the same uh, benefits that have come online with the new uh, BZ Commodore. ZB Commodore, and that's just that's more of a that's more of a I suppose it's 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 a functionary thing that uh, we'll continue to work through. But but there's always evolutionary developments that come from the mechanical front that, that you can always find yourself going a little bit better as a consequence of. And there's still developments that we're working through our car that are that have a gestation going back to the, the latter end of last year that we're reevaluating as a consequence of being on a different tyre and those sorts of things. So. It's, it's, I mean, look, it, they, it's a fairly cliche saying that if it was easy, everyone would do it, but it, it's certainly not that. It's, it's a tough, it's a tough business. And basically, if you don't, if you, if you stop looking for extra speed, even when you're up the right end, you're going to get overtaken pretty damn quickly. And to that end, I noticed that the two cars are staying in Melbourne for, in, for the gap between the Grand Prix and Tasmania. What was behind that decision? Well, that's something we've done for the last three years, uh, three, maybe even four years now. Okay. We're lucky with Penske. We've got a nationwide network of truck dealers and, uh, and also engine, um, engine overhaul, um, facilities. And they've got a great facility out at Altona, uh, which is, which basically means that instead of our guys having to have another return flight in the mix, um, we can have them continue to prep the cars straight out of the weekend and give them an extra day off over the Easter long weekend. And we've done it the last couple of years. The calendar is particularly tough on the Queensland teams with such short, such short turnarounds because it takes a couple of days for the truck to get back from, from a lot of these events. So by the time the trucks get back and you actually start working on the cars, you've only got a three, maybe four-day window if you're lucky to, to get all the work done and get them turned around, whereas we still operate off that three, four-day window, but we're able to give our guys a little bit of extra breathing room uh, over that over that long weekend period at, it certainly pays off handsomely later. I saw a, uh, sorry, not, not saw, but you know, speaking to Zach Brown across the weekend, and he admits one of the, the big reasons that he brought into the, the Walkinshaw Empire is to kind of bring the fight to Roger. Uh, and Andretti have you know said the said the same thing as well. Um, is that a is that a glowing endorsement for you? Do you feel a sense of pride that that that, that happens, or is that are you or are you excited that you've got another challenger? Well, it's interesting. Zach, Zach Brown's known pretty well to the, uh, to the Penske organisation through his uh, JMI business before he uh, he took on his role with McLaren, and we spent a lot of time with him over the weekend. We were guests in the McLaren garage for for a session there, and spent quite a bit of time with with him and and talked about all sorts of things, which was which was which was interesting and, and a great insight and opportunity to, to get to do. But uh, I think the calibre of those people and and to their credit, they're, they're race winners already. It, it bodes well for the championship. One of the biggest challenges we have is that if we look too inwardly and make it make it make it the sport too hard to come into and too hard to be successful to come into, you effectively close close yourself off from new levels of investment and new ideas. But these guys, to their credit, have come in and have already got one on the board. They're a long way from where they know they need to be longer term, but it's a hell of a good start for them. I think it's encouraging. 
Yeah, I I think it's great. But I mean, is there a flip side to that? I mean, are we di- are we discouraging the smaller any smaller teams coming in, or, or do you, I mean, do you have to be successful and have to partner up with someone these days? Well, I think that you never want to lose you never want to lose sight of of that small team or the ability for a small team to have success. And small team, the last small team that had success really at you know, the championship level was probably. Uh, DJR in a customer car in 2010. I mean, it does show that it's been the formula for a while now that you need the support or at least the engineering now so the bigger organisations would be successful. But even before the Penske, uh, the Penske opportunity came our way, we were pretty confident that we could run as Dick Johnson Racing a, a successful mid-pack team that could uh, that could break even and wash its face. So it's. It's a it's a significant difference between the haves and the have-nots, and I think it's just important that all of us in, in the series knows this that we don't bridge that divide and, and and make it impossible for these guys to compete and have their day. Well, I guess that's an even greater endorsement for what Erebus Motorsports been able to achieve with um, in-house design, chassis and suspension and development program married to a Walkinshaw engine deal. Well, I think you have to look at it too. Motorsport is a business of people. And they've got a team owner who's prepared to do what it takes. They've got a team boss who's been around the world a couple of times, is incredibly practical, is incredibly canny. And they've got someone who I believe is one of the top five engineers in the category. Not to mention the fact they've got a pretty handy steerer. So, you know, not to blow smoke up everyone. Not to blow smoke (laughs) up too many people's asses, but they've got the ingredients there to get the job done. Yeah, we do work. We do work pretty hard. We're a small team, but we do. We like we we outsource a lot of stuff so that we we remain a small team. So we don't have to employ lots of people to do stupid things. Not stupid things, but you know, I was telling someone the other day at um at ProDrive when I was there, we had sixty five people or sixty people or whatnot. But we did everything. We did um, all the CNC stuff in in house. We did all the gearboxes in house. All the engine program in-house and everything in, in um, Erebus all that side of it's been outsourced so there goes half your staff so makes a big difference I mean we've worked makes a huge I mean, difference Erebus we, we, we've worked with Erebus on a couple of projects where they've come to us and said hey how have you fixed this problem and can we can we get this this part off you and whatever and they're, they're just easy people to work with and you can see what they're trying to do and it, and it yeah. works like right now we run your uh in a console, yeah, switch box. In a console, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> What's that thing with the buttons that does stuff? Yeah, yeah, switch box, terror power. <laughs> but it works. I mean, it's a, it's something that we looked at and we we developed and and we we try and we try and I mean, Ludo's the greatest advocate of this is that you don't necessarily need to need agricultural engineering, but you need simple engineering, and yeah. we we try and look for simple solutions to complex problems and. Sometimes the opportunity is, it presents itself to share that with others, and you, and you do it for the good of all concerned. Yeah, pretty smart, pretty smart business. Mm. So, so Ryan, since the end of last year, I've really noticed the battle between DJI Team Penske and Triple Eight step up a notch. Just being around pit lane, just with a few things that have happened across, you know, the two weekends. Is this an is this a uh, an internal thing that's a that's a, that everyone strives for just to to beat them, 
Um, is that something you talk about, or is it something that's just naturally come about? I think it's just naturally come about as a, as a consequence of where we were racing um, throughout the course of last year. And when you're up the front, uh, chances are you're racing against their cars. And, uh, you know, I, Roland quite publicly called me a sore loser in uh, in Adelaide. Um, <laughs> but uh, I can assure you a, a greater sore loser there isn't. This is a man who likes yeah. to win. <laughs> and... You know, I think to everyone's credit, there's a great Vince Lombardi quote that says, show me a good loser and I'll show you a loser. And it's very true. It's <laughs> yeah. Roland, likes, Roland likes finishing only one position and that's the... So I think there's, this, there's a natural... There's a natural... Uh, I suppose an, a natural animus that exists because we've come to, we've come to take his lunch money. <laughs> but, uh, it's true. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and, and look, we're not alone in that. I mean, there's... On every weekend, everyone looks to them as the benchmark, and you want to beat them. And sometimes you don't just want to beat them; you want to smash them. <laughs> and uh, and everyone's everyone's in the same boat. So so, David. I look at McLaughlin's car as still the benchmark. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm very flattered to hear that. Thank you. I still do. Well, if you look at the weekend, I think he had the fastest qualifying time out of everyone. Is that right? Yeah, just while you were away before, we, 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 we alluded to so the fact that we that. didn't... We, we touched on the fact that we didn't quite get our act together over the course of that weekend. Yeah, OK. There's a couple of unforced errors that, that, that meant we didn't finish a bit higher up than what we wanted to. But, but yeah. it, goes, it goes to show you yet again, it's the story of last year all over again in that weekend. We, we, we may have had the car to get it done, but we didn't get it done. And who was there at the end to pick up all the pieces through consistency? The guy on the the guy in the car with number one on the side. So yeah, it's still it's still a game of consistency above all else, and you can sort of finish third or fourth at every event and, and, and walk away with a big trophy. It's just one of those. It's, it, the championships just made that way. But in terms of the the enmity between us and Triple Eight, I think it's just something that's grown naturally as a consequence of us being more competitive enough to front and being. It's, being it's good to watch though, even. Even though I'm in the series, it's good to watch you know, some of the bigger teams fight it out. I enjoy that. We, we, believe me, we love taking it to them because Roger Penske loves nothing more than winning and to win, we have to beat Roland. It's the best. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, from, a, from a fan perspective, from a media perspective, that's what you want to see. You want to see a bit of rivalry. rivalry. You want to see a bit of heat to that rivalry sometimes. Mm. And you want these rivalries to be... Organic? Yes. Yeah. Organic and not whipped into shape because sometimes you know our jobs in the big of the media is to you know whip the rivalry up into you know fan the flames a little bit but with this one it's an organic thing you actually don't have to do anything you just kind of have to sit back and watch and it's a beautiful thing but what what if like I'm playing devil's advocate a bit here what if like the drivers would to make it more exciting how so as in off, off track they started slandering the shit out of each other. Well, I think you need, you need that. You need that character. You need you need goodies and baddies. And the sport's yeah. always been at its best when it's had goodies and baddies. It has, exactly right. You know, Moffat and Brock, yeah. and then Brock and Johnson and Scaife and Ingle. It's, it's the, the biff and barge off track, and, and the and the fights between the personalities is what draws viewers' attention. It, it doesn't yeah. necessarily encompass everything, or have to encompass everything that happens out in the racetrack. It's what happens off it. It's what's happened. I mean, the best thing that could ever happen to us is that we start televising the press conferences. Yeah. The blokes are having goes at each other. That'd be fantastic. 
Well, that, I mean, oh, we I'm saw... Oh, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I've just got to make the press conference. That's the hardest bit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we saw a couple of years, years ago at Tassie, you know, Courtney and Davison have a, having, you know, a, a go at each other, which was fantastic. Um, yeah, you want to see that TV. Yeah. Mm. And it, I, because the last thing the last thing you want, I mean, it, we run the risk of these things are big professional commercial businesses these days. And the last thing you want to do is homogenise your drivers and sort of turn them into milk, toast, vanilla, you know, towing the company line. I mean, I remember, I think you've said this before yourself, David, that back in the in the 2000s, whenever whenever Tanda would get up on the podium, it would be, I'd like to thank Valvoline Cummins. It, 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 it just became this ingrained phrasing and it sort of felt a bit like the, the, that sense of personality and sense of character was lost. Disappeared, yeah, it has. And we need to it has a little bit these days. Like the problem is, like we spend a lot of time with each other, so we end up actually accidentally liking each other, <laughs> <laughs> which is sucks. But, like it sucks for the greater good of the entertainment. But but surely, yeah. Davey, there's someone that you actually don't get along with. Oh, there is. It's publicly known. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- th- this was the person I was alluding to. I was thinking, you know, when you go back to those rivalries of Moffat and Johnson and everyone else, you know, Moffat was the one who wore the black hat. There's one in amongst the paddock who I think everyone would like to wear the black hat. but Someone who would wear it well. C- correct. But, without trying. Exactly, yeah. But doesn't like the tag themselves. No. It's, it's not something really they like endorse, which is... For being involved in that. Yeah, I think... There's, it, there's, there's at least two who play the role well. Um, the problem is one of the two can give but can't take it, which sort of disqualifies him from uh, from playing that role. And that's that's, that's part of the battle too, is you've got to understand that... I think, I think it, all, all the guys have got to understand that the, the, sport, of, the sport of the sport is, is, what, is what makes for uh, entertainment and colourful shenanigans. You sort of... You, you, it's, 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 it's almost... You don't want to get it to the point where it's manufactured like WWE and everyone and everyone's sort of running to a script and they're all friends and everything's kumbaya afterwards. But you need to know that you can call someone out for being a dickhead. Exactly. And, you know, you shouldn't have you shouldn't have put it up the inside, you muppet, and that's the sort of thing you always do. Hey, nice job, see you next Sunday. I mean, that's that's okay. Well, exactly. Yeah, a little right. bit of you fenced me again. I'll get you next time. Yeah. Or exactly. you know something like that. You know, it's. Yeah, it's 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 the next level of stuff that we uh, that we need to get to. Well, it's funny you go back and you look at some of those press conferences from the two thousands, which I'd kind of forgotten about until we showed that clip during Adelaide of um of Russell Ingle apologising on the podium. Went back and had a look at the presser from Gold Coast that year, and he and Greg Murphy were absolutely giving it to each other. Yeah, it was really. Yeah, I'd totally forgotten about it. Something yeah, about when men were men. That's right. <laughs> it wasn't too long ago either. <laughs> so yeah. like an eternity ago. With, oh, just it, it's it's a tough thing because I think it needs to almost start at the team boss level. You sort of got to you got to let your guys off the leash a little bit, and you know, yeah. I, I put put it this way: someone who is a, a raw character like Scotty McLaughlin, you got to you got to give him you got to give him enough rope to go and play with. Mm. And and we try and do that, and we do that with, and we do that with Fabs too, because Fabs has got a, Fabs has got a fairly sharp whip wit on him as well. So we try we try and give them the space and the ability to be themselves, and I think that that's how you start it. See, I, I'm I'm a, I just looked at Will when you were talking, and he, we both raised our eyebrows a little bit because we don't get that from Fabs. We don't get that sharp, quick wit. He normally, you know, is normally fairly, I would say, corporate. And that's no disrespect to him, but, mm. you know, um, I think he needs to be poked a little bit to come out of his shell. 
Or at least to showcase that side of himself. Yeah. Like we have like we have seen it from time to time, but it's not not commonplace. Yes. It needs to be commonplace. Yeah, I think there's got to be a time and place for it, and it's, and we got to we got to let these guys, uh, both the teams and as the series, give these guys a comfort level that they're not going to get charged for bringing the sport to disrepute if they Agreed. say what just happened. <laughs> yeah. What just why don't, happened why, don't getting, why don't we start getting paid for the, for the amount of shit we say? <laughs> so the <laughs> reverse fine process. Get the most media coverage. You should get a bonus. Well, with, great, with great respect, you're going to win that bloody prize every week, son. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to do here. <laughs> I'm trying to live like a Jordan Belfort, Wolf of Wall Street wife. <laughs> but on a Centrelink salary. <laughs> if you come up to me at Tasmania and ask me to buy a pen, I'm not buying it. <laughs> Sell me this pen. <laughs> um... What, a couple of the other interesting things across the weekend is, uh, and you know, we've kind of talked about um, Zach Brown a little bit, but he was talking about how it would be nice to keep or, or to get the, the Camaro into to supercars, and he was quite adamant that that was uh, an interesting way to go. What do you all think about that? It's a cool car. Of, well, <laughs> of course. Yeah, it is a cool car. And you look back... It's got a... Sorry, go ahead, Dave. Well, it's, it's got to be... The Camaro is probably more in line of more representative representative of what is actually out there. Sure. And you look and at it's a in... sports car. It's fucking it's cool. Yeah. Like if, if we were racing Mustangs and and Camaros, that's kind of cooler. They're like two door coupe, sporty. It's racing. That's exactly what I was about to say. It harks back to those like glory years of Trans Am back in the seventies when it was General Motors and and Ford going head to head on track with a Camaro and the Mustang. Yeah, I think it would look. I think it looks fantastic. It sort of throws back to the to the DNA of the championship. It keeps the V eight the V eight thing going, which is what everyone loves. I mean, I, I think yeah, it's got oodles of potential. It's a huge amount of potential. And, you, and I think when when uh, General Motors starts selling a right a right hander Camaro out here, I mean, I know that um, HSV are going to start doing some conversions, mm. but they'll see what Ford have seen with the Mustang. It'll be right up there as the number one one number one number two. Uh, Sports yeah. cars sold on the People love that car. They yeah. aspire towards those cars. Yeah, I mean, they're aspirational cars. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see the Mustang. You look, you see them on the road, and you're like, "That's a nice looking piece of machinery." I thought you were about to say, "I would love to own one." I nearly fell out of my chair. Not Toyota product. <laughs> <laughs> if you look back, if you look back to what Ford and Holden always did at the start of the at the start of the Group A and uh, and into the supercars era, they badged the, the Commodore was badged the SS. And the Falcon was badged the XR8. They were the top of the top of the line vehicles in the, in their respective uh, in their respective classes because the series was seen as, as aspirational and people liked having the posters up on the walls. I mean, yeah. if you start getting if you if you start getting back to sexy cars like that, affordable sexy cars like that, you end up selling cars and you end up with posters back on walls. And I couldn't think of anything better. So, is that something that's a uh, you know being on the on the blue side, Ryan? Is that something that's that you're looking at as part of the the next thing after the Falcon, or is that still too far away? It's still a bit far away from us for us to be honest. I mean, there's a couple of complexities, and the first one is Ford have made it pretty clear that they don't want to go supercars racing anymore. Certainly not in any official capacity. They've supported what we've done and they've been quite helpful in in letting us keep racing Falcon with the availability of panels and all those sorts of things. But 
we're still a long way away from having the Muslim Muslim join the join the fold, and and there's no certainty that we'll ever be able to make that happen. Which yeah, I, but, yeah. that, that comes from head office, or does that come from like the marketing department? No, it comes from head office. It comes from uh, from from Ford and Ford here in Australia, but. That one of the other sensitivities that we have is that we we have to respect their opinion as a consequence of of uh, Penske Racing in the U.S. having such a close tie with with Ford and being their uh, their, their primary sort of flag bearer in NASCAR. So we've we've got to respect uh, their will and continue to see how the market shapes up and hope that that one day we can convince them to do something different. Well, see, I, I think it'd be a real shame if we if we didn't get that across the line, and they I think they kind of. I think we need to get the, the fans behind to, or to rally behind the Ford teams to, to push the, the Barrow to get the message through to Ford that they are this is a very strong competition and they will sell cars that people will buy if they put something out that people want to buy. I, I think they do. The fans are well behind it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that too. We get that same feedback. I think the interesting thing is going to be to see what happens over the course of the next little while because these companies locally at least are still transitioning transitioning out of being manufacturers to importers. So that adds a tremendous degree of, of complexity to the, their marketing picture. And uh, I think that with the, with the benefit of time, I'm hoping that we'll be able to see a different, uh, a different course of events transpire. But uh, we know that we can keep racing this car at least next year, and we're sort of geared up to do that. But uh, hopefully one day uh, we have the opportunity and, the, and I suppose the great privilege of... Uh, of doing something with the pony car. Well, the the other the other side to that is we've also got the V6 twin turbo potentially on the horizon next year, and you know Zach Zach Brown was adamant that he wanted the Walkinshaw guys to stay with the V8 because it was you know it's what people loved and and everything. But Davey, did I read somewhere that Eric, that Betty didn't want you guys to change to the V6 twin turbo? Did you want to stay with the V8 for next year? Yeah, we're pretty adamant the same that we just want to run um, V8 like the. V6 twin turbo, not you know, it's not really for the fan. It's more for the uh, manufacturer that aren't even there. So who really cares? We just want to run V8. We want to keep keep the same um, the engine deal that we'll we'll have with Walkinshaw Racing. So yeah, yeah, we're we're still towing that line. And they are very good engines too. Sorry, I think they're still a long way away from getting that done. And I hope that they do. I hope that they do end up running that wild card and doing something. Mm. But let's, let's call a spade a spade. The, the reason why, in running against the tide of having manufacturer support in, in the series, the reason why the sport is successful is because our fans get behind it and we put on a bloody good show. Yep. It, and Adelaide's always a great example of that. The fans turn out in their droves to come and watch us race because they love what we do. And we just, no matter what comes next, we can't lose sight of what the fans want from us and mm. what they want their racing to be. Exactly. Absolutely. Here, well here. spoken. And <laughs> so do, do they, but do they want V6 twin turbos? Is it, you're trying to encourage like a, a new aspect of like a younger generation to come through? Well, I think that the key driving force behind that has always been from the manufacturers and, and in keeping with some of their marketing principles, but also to try and ensure that the product remains road relevant. So uh, it's not without its challenges, but... If I'm not mistaken, I don't think there's a twin turbo Commodore for sale, and I think that might be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's one of the interesting things. But that's not that's not to say that whatever replaces the Commodore down the line doesn't necessarily have the same 
the same water heater in the front of it as, the, as what they sell. Indeed. Um, one of the other things to come out of the weekend, Joe sat with the um, cross-pollination of F1 and supercars, brought a lot of F1 journos down down under for the Grand Prix and they cast their eye over supercars and some of them have a fair bit of experience with our championship over the years. Joe Saywood, one of the top F1 journos, um, in his notes from the weekend on his website, casually mentioned that there's a rumour that suggests that if, and I'm quoting his story here, um, the rumours suggest that if Nissan drop out of the series, Simona Di Silvestro would move to Triple Eight Race Engineering, potentially with an all-female team. This is a very all-female team as in crew and yeah, yeah. Well, they've, they've already got Romy Mayer there working in there, but that's I'm with the Harvey Norman backing and listening to having been to a, a function where Simona's chatted to the GWS girls team, um, AFL girls team this year with Katie Page, she would be all over that. She would be, she would, I reckon that she would be more ha- more than happy to spend more money to get Simona and an all girls team into supercars. So what are the chances of me getting a drop there? <laughs> um... Zero? Well... Oh, isn't that sexist? Oh, yeah, cool. <laughs> um, no, I'm just joking. Well, okay. No, because it, like, it's an interesting thing because, I mean, Katie's very good, uh, very passionate about pushing women's sport and all that sort of thing. So I think she'd be all over it if that was to to happen. But there's got there's someone in that position <laughs> that's holding that spot at the moment and he happens to be one C. Lowndes. But is it for that position? So You, you look at it a slightly different way. It would be a massive benefit to Triple Eight if they were able to run a fourth car out of that garage. You, it's one team working, working with Craig, working with the other car, other two cars. It's the one pit crew, so their stops would be you would think would be up to the same standard as the other side of the the other side of the Triple Eight garage, mm-hmm. where they're not having to compromise by working with another team. There are, there are a lot of racing positives to the, to having a four well, car arrangement in that sense. It would be interesting for me to see what Simona can actually do. Um, I think that she's... Simona's already showing the same signs that all drivers new to the series show, and that is it takes a couple of years to get the understanding of the cars, the understanding of the tracks, and to really show what you're capable of. Mm -hmm. And to to me, and I think to most of us, Homebush, sorry, uh, Newcastle Newcastle last year was when she really put herself on the map. But There's a couple of different ways you can look at it. Um, if you take the Simona and all-female aspect out of it, how many teams up and down pit lane would be interested in talking to you about a driver that comes fully funded with with all of the other elements to it? And the answer is there'd be very few who wouldn't talk to you about it. Indeed, so especially Simona, three years. If Simona continues to get competitive, that is going to be a compelling, a mm. compelling opportunity for almost any team in pit lane. When you look at that as a storyline beyond the sport, like in the in the F1 paddock on I think Thursday, the Dare to Be Different program had its official launch. The program that Susie, former F1 driver Susie Wolf, rolled out in the UK. That's now in Australia in partnership with Cams. An all female supercars team is in, would be an incredible sort of I guess top line thing to illustrate to girls that are coming through school coming. Mm that there are all these different career opportunities available in 
science, technology, engineering, and mathematics in that field. Yeah, uh, I, I, I would, I would see it as a good thing. I don't, I wouldn't see it as a bad thing at all, um, because you know it gives, as you said, young females a, a, a view to say I can do that. Well, looking back at, back, back before I was a motor racing journo and living the dream, I was. I um I was an engineering student you, hoping you, to live you a different. Say that so drolly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, true. it's true. He's living the dream. He, he has to work with us. Oh, no, work for Fox. Exactly, free Foxtel. It's great. <laughs> um, no, back when I was at uni, I went down through, or back when I was in high school, I went down through the list of ways to be involved in motorsport. Lacked the talent, the money, and the talent to be a driver. So next step was race engineer. So. Toddled off to university to try and become an engineer. Wasn't wasn't good enough to do that. But back then, you look around the classroom, the split between males and females students in those classrooms was maybe about 5% females. Mm. And there's absolutely... That, that 5%, certainly in the year level that I was coming through, was some of the most talented people I've ever had the pleasure of getting to know. So if there's a way to broaden that and if supercars can be used as a tool to broaden that, Fantastic. Yeah, I agree. If they, all, if well, it's they, it's they... interesting too when you look at if you look at, at the automotive industry as a whole. Mary Berra, the the, uh, the CEO of General Motors, is probably one of the most outstanding business leaders in the United States. Mm. And and with the you know STEM is a STEM has become a buzzword, but seeing a strong female presence in in science, technology, maths, engineering, that's not a new thing. But it does take someone like a Katie Page to champion it in motorsport. Yeah, and uh, and I think it's I think it's fantastic. I really do. Mm. Well, we're almost out of time. We've rabbited on for. It, it feels like no amount of time we, around on, speaking. We haven't even covered panel weights yet. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going there. Not going there. Just let it go. If, yeah, if if you were coming for the parody discussion, you're sadly. Going to go home. <laughs> just, we're uh, sorry you've I'm waited through the past in, 15 minutes. <laughs> all, all you need to know is that I've got both drivers on a ketosis diet and we're doing everything <laughs> we can to continue to get the weight down. Yeah, I, actually, really? I did. Good on you. I did hear... Yeah, that's the best way to lose weight. Yeah, I did hear <laughs> Scotty McLaughlin say that he, he, Ludo had asked him to lose a few kilos on the weekend. Uh, these, these things are often reported. They're not necessarily heard, but they're often reported. Well, I, think it, I think it came from him. So, <laughs> you know. Ludo talks a lot. Let's just... <laughs> yeah. I, only, I only get every second of third word. Oh, well, that's... Yeah, that's <laughs> fine. Uh, so the... I love Ludo. He's awesome. Uh, the V8 driver... The Supercars Drivers' Championship after race six. Uh, Van Gisbergen leads on 486 points. Our mate here, David Reynolds, second in the championship, 49 points behind. Uh, DJ Team Penske, Scott McLaughlin, 61 points behind. Chaz Mostert, 70 points behind. And Scotty Pye, fifth, 89 points behind. And an important thing to note that right behind them is the guy that left Adelaide in 18th place in points, Jamie Wincup, now just 107 points off the lead. Ooh, and... Where's the Jaws music when you need it? <laughs> 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 um, yeah. It's also close still. It is. Still it's anyone's game. Yeah, off, yeah. To, off to Tassie. Next week, uh, we saw that massive pileup last year, which took out well over half the field. Hopefully, the weather looks fine, which means hopefully we'll get through unscathed. Um, that was that was an interesting weekend last year. That was the, uh, the start of our first 
championship uh, race win with Fabian. We got a first and a second on the Sunday after that catastrophic Saturday race. So yeah. it was happy hunting ground for us last year. We're, we're hoping we can roll out and qualify somewhere near the pointy end and, and lock in a few decent race results. Dif- different uh, qualifying format as well. Yeah, oh. yeah, they've, they've got they've got the different one here, and, and it doesn't it run here and uh, Barbagallo as well. Yeah, and yeah. It's, all the yeah. short small tracks where we have congestion. Yeah, yeah, it's um, that's a good idea. It's actually welcome. It's about time they've done something about it. Yeah, no, I think the the qualifying format's going to be good. It was a little bit in trying to get my head around it for the first time, but if you just go, it's MotoGP and F1 style, cool. <laughs> Well, it adds more importance yeah. to Friday. Like, we always yeah. talk about Friday practice times not necessarily meaning a whole lot. Mm. Well, now they do mean a whole lot for this weekend well, and no, for Barbara Gallo. meant a lot last year. At, uh, where, where did you qualify? Oh, Pukekohe. New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pukekohe. Yeah, you didn't know that it meant that at the time. Friday. Like, dude. Yeah. Not there. Anyway. So, the, so, all the, so it, I mean, for, for a TV perspective, it should, me, should mean that Friday, now you can see people's genuine pace and not having people... Fudge a little bit and sandbag. Well, a big part of that too is because we don't we don't practice on green tyres. Yeah. Uh, mm. Let's let's not discount that. I mean, we're the only championship in the world that uses used rubber on a on a Friday afternoon. Oh. Yeah, we. It's funny, I, isn't it, when you think about it? I am a big. When you talk to the F, you talk to the F one guys, you talk to the NASCAR guys, you talk to all these people about it, and they go, "Are you serious?" Yeah. You have to what reuse tyres. Huh? <laughs> You have a, you have, you all have fridges that you keep tires in. Yeah, for for what saving... Queenslanders do, we just have Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> put it, yeah, put them out in the sun. They still, still cold. Um, I mean, I mean, it's not, it's not really a saving measure because it's only what twelve hundred bucks a set. Pissing into the ocean, I believe Gary Rogers once referred to it as. Tire. Yeah, no, I think it, I don't think tires. I think they're about. Three hundred bucks a tire? Maybe I should be wrong. Twelve hundred? Uh, maybe my maths are completely wrong. I'm going to say twelve hundred bucks a set because it sounds good. Um, it's not. It's not expensive. But no. you, you know, when they're cutting cost out of it, and they, we might, if we wanted to, we'd burn hundred another hundred sets of tires. You know, that's, yeah, that's a fair bit of money. Well, it ends up. It ends up being by the time you calculate it, it ends up being less than thirty grand per car for the year to run on green tires everywhere. I've, I've always been the advocate that there's other ways to save money that don't necessarily impact the show. Yeah, I, that's a discussion uh, for another time. This will this will this will upset people. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm all for that. Yeah, me, <laughs> yeah, I am too. I am too. All right. Well, that's it for another instalment of the Fox Motorsports Supercars podcast. We will see you all after Tasmania.